Today in another Sports by Fry episode, I'm dissecting everything AFL fantasy. This time around 19, wrapping up another mammoth weekend, um, some massive scores. I finally seemed to piece it all together. I had my best weekend of the year. Um, I probably wasn't the only coach. There are a lot of other coaches out there who uh, reap the rewards of plenty of big scores. Um, pretty exciting stuff planned this week. I'm going to be doing a few AFL fantasy pieces as I prepare for the uh, the finals in the last four weeks of the regular season. Oh, sorry, the last four weeks of the fantasy season are here. Um, so yes, I'm going to dive into that a little bit, but let me dive into the round 19 wrap-up. Thank you for tuning in to the Sports by Fry channel. What is going on? My name is Fry, and today I'm doing another AFL Fantasy Round Wrap-Up. This time round 19, um, they're here. The finals are here. We've made it through the fantasy regular season. Um, 18 games of footy are done and dusted for each team, and there's only four left. So if you are in a league with your mates in draft league or regular classic leagues, then bragging rights are up for grabs. Um, I'm not in too many leagues personally. Usually I play for overall rank over everything, but I'm in a few, especially with some of the... Uh, Dream Team Talk boys, so I want to finish as high as possible. I don't think I've uh, any chance of claiming a, an actual premiership, but maybe I can grab a minor one out of the bottom uh, 10 teams. So, yeah, massive week, massive scores all around the grounds. Uh, Tom Mitchell continues to get it done, but he wasn't the only one. So let me show you how my team scored to kick off the Round 19 wrap-up. As I mentioned, I recorded a, uh, a season best. I got 23-67, so... Top that 23.50 for the first time. There are a few things that probably just held me back from going 2,400, which would have been nice, but I'm not going to be greedy, especially when I'm uh, posting season best numbers. Um, I've managed to finish around the 7.5 mark or 7,500th um, for the round. So yeah, that shot me up inside the top 18,000. <laughs> Doesn't sound too appealing, but I'm determined to finish inside the top 10. Um, nowhere near my best finish, but a few things haven't gone my way this year. So... This week, my back line was awesome, with the exception of Rory Laird, who only gave me a 72. Um, Yoey and Whitfield are outstanding. Well done, boys. In the midfield, like I said before, Tom Mitchell just, he's in a league of his own. Um, it was nice, finally, I got some big scores out of Sidebottom and Gibbs. It was nice to see them deliver. I know a lot of people probably traded them out this week to try and chase some value at uh, some other popular picks, but I think I'm going to stick and hold them... Uh, for the rest of the year. If they dish out a couple of 60s or 70s, that might change, but they're as good as, you know, some of the other midfield options around that mark. So unless I can make some serious money in getting Gaffey or someone, they might stay. Beamer as well is another one who was solid. Merritt would have liked a little bit more, but he was fine. Shuey was good. Um, oh, sorry. Zerat was good. Lockie Neal was fine. Shuey was not good because he did not play. Um, would have loved... For him to get out on the park, he probably was the one that held me back from 2400. But as long as he this week and he had nine points in the first half, but um, jumped his way to a reasonable score. Steph Martin is another one on the chopping block. Oh, chopping block. <laughs> Steph Martin is another one on the chopping block. Um, I probably won't get rid of him this week, but him to Grundy will be one of the most popular trades in round 20. Dangerfield, God, he sucked. Everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of coaches probably traded. Um, Paul Ahern out and turned him into Dangerfield for that last upgrade. Um, I was not one of them, as you can see. I luckily kept Paul Ahern on my field. I was kissed a little bit in that regard. But yeah, Danger didn't get it done. The rest of the forwards, pretty solid. So 
Yeah, I'm set up well to close out the year with a bang. Um, scored a season best this week, and hopefully I can top 24K. Uh, 24K. No, that doesn't make sense. 2,400 next week. So a pretty good score puts me in good stead for the finals, the last four weeks of the season. Um, looking ahead to round 20, Zach Jones is probably the only player who will miss through suspension. Um, his hit on Kyle Langford. Well, I'm pretty sure it's Kyle Langford. He started the game off high, did fiery Zachy Jones. But yeah, he uh, he copped a two-game ban and is probably going to have to accept that. And even if he challenges it, I don't think he'll get off. So if you have him in draft, you might need to look elsewhere. Um, the only other real incidents came from the Gold Coast and Carlton game, and they involved some pretty big names. Paddy Cripps uh, tackled Dave Swallow, who got concussed and missed the rest of the match. So I don't think Cripper will come in too much hot water for that, but could cop a fine maybe. And the other one was Sam May, who collected Ed Kerno high with a bit of a bump. Um, I expect him to get a week or two, and Kerno looked pretty groggy. From memory, he played out the game, but yeah, those are probably the other two incidents, main incidents from the tribunal perspective. The two blokes who were uh, on the other end of those incidents, uh, Dave Swallow and Ed Kerno, could maybe miss round 20, so monitor their status just to make sure that they're all uh, good to go. Injury news is once again bleak for uh, Collingwood fans. Uh, in the game against the Tigers, not only did they lose, but they lost Howe to concussion. They lost Scharenberg to a potentially serious knee injury. Um, Sam Murray pulled up really sore. And Brody Meyercheck as well um, tweaked his ankle a little bit. So all of a sudden their defence has been severely depleted. In that game as well, Dion Prestia hurt his ribs and Dimmer Hardwick said he might not be able to be in the team next week against Geelong. Um, facing a six-day quick turnaround. So if you have Prestia in your draft league, um, maybe act accordingly there. And the only other ones involve Kennedy and Shuey, who, as I mentioned before um, about Shuey, were late outs against North. Shuey apparently flew back to Perth for the birth of his child, so you'd expect him to suit up against Freo in the derby, but apparently Josh Kennedy isn't a certain starter. So once again, more information will be revealed about those guys throughout the week. But yeah, if you own any of those players we just mentioned, maybe stay glued to your Twitter feed or news channels. In the reserves, the injury news still continued for Collingwood. I'm sorry, Pies fans. Uh, Jamie Elliott could be done for the rest of the year after tweaking his hammy, so... Bad news just continues to get worse for Collingwood fans. The news was reversed for the Crows, though. They had some massive blokes put up big numbers. Uh, Paddy Wilson had 42 touches, and Cam Ellis-Yeoman had 40 himself, so those two are probably knocking on the door for selection. And after Seedsman hurt himself, Brody Smith looms as a potential replacement after he got through another game from injury. Um, I think it was his ACL that he did in the finals last year, or a serious knee injury, so... He's played two games in a row and could be a potential replacement for Seedsman. Ryan Bastanak had another wicked game for the Lions twos. He had 36 touches and could come back in. Um, Michael Barlow, I don't know what more he has to do to get picked. He had 37 disposals, so I don't know, maybe he has to get 60 touches to finally uh, get the Suns coaches to notice, but yeah, he keeps producing. Speaking of producing, Harley Bunnell had his best game in the waffle. He had 27 touches for Peel Thunder and could be a certain starter for the Dockers. With Cam Sutcliffe hurting himself, he might be a potential straight swap. And there are a few other fresh faces we might see in round 20. Uh, Tigers father-son selection, Patrick Naish. Naish, I think it's Naish. Um, he looked really good for Richmond's reserves and could make his debut this week. As well as finally, fingers crossed, we might see Nate Freeman. He had 37 touches for St Kilda's reserves. So maybe this is the week he finally gets up. Probably not, but who knows.
All right, into my favourite five from this week. Honourable mentions go out to Paula Hearn, Benny Cunnington, and Whitfield as well. They all had massive scores, but they didn't crack the top five. Firstly, five votes go out to Paddy Cripps. Monstrous game. Um, I knew he was going to beast the Gold Coast Suns, and I thought about bringing him in, damn it. But not only is he arguably the best fantasy player right now, behind Tom Mitchell, let's be honest, but he could be the front-runner for the Brownlow too. Speaking of Tom Mitchell, um, his fourth score over 155 in his last five games make him, like I said, just head and shoulders above everyone else. Plus three, this week went to Brody Grundy. Um, potential trade target, massive 147 against the Tigers. I'll talk a little bit uh, more in a few moments about how he scored those points um, in one of my new segments. A little bit of a teaser there, but yeah, Grundy was wicked. Yoey gets plus two after his back-to-back -back 130s. Um, was in the negatives, I think, two weeks before that. So it's good to see that he's turned his form around. And finally, shout out to Mark Murphy, who had 139. He was almost level pegging with Cripper for the first half, scoring 80-odd in the first half from memory. So, yeah, Murphy's just playing his way into a late-season option. Just uh, keep your eye on him. Now it's time for some bad news. The frustrating five honourable mentions, or dishonourable mentions, I should say, go to Andy Gaff, Robbie Gray, Toby McLean, and Steph Martin, who will probably make way for Grundy for a lot of coaches, like I've said, on the leadoff. But the negative five goes to none other than Patrick Dangerfield. Uh, making matters worse, a lot of people would have traded out Paul Hearn for him, as mentioned. So 66 is not good enough danger. That whole forward line is a bit of a mess. So if you're looking at an upgrade this week, maybe avoid even target anyone in the forward line because they're all letting us down, really, at the moment. Rory Laird was another letdown. He got the negative four this week. We need more than 72 out of big premiums. And late in the game, when the game was up for grabs and Adelaide season was really on the line, he couldn't get his hands on the footy. The negative three goes out to Michael Hurley for effectively ruining two fantasy scores this week. Not only did his 38 let a lot of coaches down, but the next bloke, the negative two... Um, Lance Franklin was ruined by Hurley's defensive efforts as well. He only scored a 40, so those two guys, you know, not many people would have them, but the, I think actually, sorry, I'll take that back. A lot of the competition does have Buddy. Some people would have brought Hurley in as a replacement for Sicily, so those two have been letdowns. And last but certainly not least is Joel Selwood, who after a 60-odd is probably on the chopping block for a lot of coaches. And even though Geelong has some nice fixtures to close out the year, I don't think you can justify holding Selwood. All right, MVP leaders, uh, nothing really new to report. Yo and Grundy moved back into the positives after good weeks, while Laird and Paddy Dangerfield continued to trend down. Um, Tom Mitchell stretched out his lead as the MVP. He's at 19 votes now, and Robbie Gray's at negative 12, so those two are leading the races um, and should probably win the award, barring anything crazy. Okay, noteworthy numbers. I'm including a new segment. I'm going to look at the best quarter from the week that just unfolded, and the best half. So, so starting with the quarters, Brody Grundy scored 68 points in the third quarter alone, so he claimed top honours for the best quarter fantasy-wise this weekend. Paddy Cripps also topped 60 with 60 flat in the second quarter. Yoey was right up there, he had 54. And Wayne Miller and Liam Shields were other two dudes who topped the 55 mark, rounding out the top five. Because of that third quarter from Grundy, his second half was worth 102 points alone. Ben Cunnington nearly topped 100 and a half with 96 in the second half of the West Coast North game. Cripper and Yoey with a 90 and an 83 respectively were big. As I mentioned before, Mark Murphy was big. Charlie Kerno surprisingly had 70-odd and a half, so well done to those boys. But 
Amazingly, Tom Mitchell actually managed to have exactly 80 points in the first and second half, so he's getting it done consistently. More mainstream numbers now. Uh, Jack McRae is no longer the highest break-even owner. That goes to Andrew Gaff, who has a break-even of 150, um, along with McRae and Gaffey. Other dudes like Selwood, uh, Max Gorn, and Rory Laird are all destined to probably slide a little bit in value after bad scores on the weekend. From the rookie front, uh, Jared Liner from Port Adelaide is head and shoulders the best option at the moment. His teammate Kane Farrell, who made his debut on the weekend, is another potential target who's got a low break-even. And in other positions, big Scotty Jones from the Dockers and Fergus Green from the Bulldogs are other potential plays. To no one's surprise, Tom Mitchell has the best form of anyone in the last three weeks, going at a 168 click, which is just ridiculous. Underneath Tom Mitchell, Cripps and Whitfield are in a class of their own. They've both managed to top 130 in their last three games, so they are potential uh, form players. If you don't have either one of them, you must get them. And funnily enough, Tom Hawkins is actually the form forward of the competition at the moment after his uh, couple of big bags of goals. So, what well on Tomahawk, and if you have him in a draft league, you'd be chuffed. But more popular dudes like Danger and Dunkley, they're probably uh, better plays, and their form is just over 105. So, like I said, the forward line's a bit of a mix and a bit murky, but those two dudes are probably good choices. Trade thoughts time. Bring in Jack McRae this week. He's gone down 100k since uh, making his return from injury. I will be getting him this week, barring anything crazy. And I'm sure a lot of other coaches will. He had 112 on the weekend, and his form is start. He started to play himself back in form in his last month of the year. I thought it was actually really, really good, but after further analysis, it isn't great, but it is promising compared to some of the other runs home. So I'll be getting McRae, and you should too this week. Other blokes, Grundy and Cripps, like I mentioned, and Whitfield are must-haves, really. Um, I think Grundy is probably the second most, going to be the second most traded in player this week, premium-wise. Um, a lot of people will be cashing in Steph Martin. So yeah, if you don't have any of those three dudes, there are other targets. I've already mentioned some of the rookies. Lineart is probably the best option, but the likes of Fergus Green and, uh, what's his name? Kane Farrell from Port Adelaide as well could potentially be players if they hold this spot. Fingers crossed we see Nate Freeman. Um, he'll be another popular trade target, even if it is a throwaway bench position for some coaches, but surely he gets a debut, right? Please, please. If you're bringing in one of those big dogs, then you're probably gonna have to part way with someone like Steph Martin, Joel Selwood, who I already mentioned, um, Seedsman who injured himself, he could be a nice trade out if you've got a lot of money to then get Whitfield. And Buddy's probably another one who people might jump off, but he's worth so little now that it might just have to keep him. If Brody Majek fails to get up, then you must trade him out, um, especially if he's on your field. But I mean, if he's an emergency, you could probably get away with it, but he's not playing, he's not making your money, so it could be a good trade out and make some value there. Another dude who you could potentially cash out, um, Sire. Joel Smith from Melbourne, um, Stefan Giro, he'll probably be a popular trade-out target this week as well, and Brad Lynch from the Dogs is probably the fourth one there. Okay, my trades, just to finish up what's been a bumper episode, um, I think at this stage, my check will go, or Giro probably allowing me to downgrade to Lineart, or um, I'm looking at Paddy Wilson, if he's named, from the Crows, Farrell as well, he's probably the best money play, so one of those youngsters will come in for one of the other youngsters who... Probably topped out in value. Even if they have it, it doesn't really matter. I'm not at the huge money generation stage of the season, so um, getting as much bang for my buck by getting rid of one of them to then throw the dollars on top of Walters and Land McRae is my play this week. Maybe look at Martin, 
to Grundy, but I think getting rid of Walters is a must. And that whew, wraps up a huge round 19. Um, like I said, the finals are here, so make the most of these last eight trades. Um, if you aren't playing for anything, have some fun with the last four weeks. Try something new. Um, look at potential players and put on your watch list for next season. Um, there is still a month of the fantasy season left, so enjoy it, even if your team is a bit down the toilet, just like mine. Um, otherwise, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you stay tuned to Sports by Fry for more stuff. Um, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I don't think I've forgotten the other socials. You can find me all there, as well as YouTube and the podcast, of course. Thumbs up and subscribe if you watched it. Rating and review if you're listening. But until next time, good luck for round 20. Peace. Peace.